Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. I'm your host, Coach Cullen. Today I'm talking about how we can make school a little bit more enjoyable for students because if it's not enjoyable, if they don't want to be there, it makes our efforts, both as parents and teachers, tougher for them to learn. If you like what you hear, I would appreciate if you follow, share the podcast with a friend. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for future topics, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. So I'm about to do a little bit of reminiscing back to my college days. No, it's not going to be an Animal House type story at all. It's going to be a class story. It's education classes. I had a professor who was very big into a guy named Harry Wong. If you've been around education long enough, you probably have heard of him. You may even have a copy of his classic book, The First Days of Teaching, or The First Year of Teaching. I can't remember. It was so long ago. However, Mr. Wong has a lot of great points. He was a teacher, I believe, in the Los Angeles area. I believe he reached out to retired members of the community and saw if they would like to volunteer as like a teacher's aide. So you have community involvement, you, it allowed Mr. Wong to focus on other things for the benefit of his students, it allowed the members of the retired community to feel a connection to the young people. That's a great idea, but that's not what I'm talking about. When I was in education classes in college, a big push was time on task. When a student walked into the classroom, from the moment they walked in to the moment they left, they needed to be on task on your topic, on your content, on the skill you were teaching. No wasted moments. So I had a professor who really pushed this, and he loved Harry Wong. He went to a conference where Mr. Wong spoke, and we listened to Harry Wong. And it, this is how old it was. We didn't watch Mr. Wong on DVD. He didn't buy a DVD of one of Mr. Wong's talks. He didn't buy a VHS tape of his talk. We sat in the classroom listening to a cassette tape. That's how old I am. And one of the things that Mr. Wong proposed was having a do now. Again, something very popular in education circles many decades later after hearing this for the first time. So when the student walked into class, there would be a paper, like a worksheet, a something on the board for them to do now while the teacher is out monitoring the hallways. Again, the concept of no wasted time. It sounds great. I think from a teacher's perspective, it may sound really good. Hey, I don't have to worry about classroom discipline problems while I'm out standing at the door, welcoming students in, kind of scanning the hallway. It allows me a transition time. As I walk in, the students are already working on something, so 
as I walk in to start the class, I can do a couple of things to be prepared. So when I want to start, we're ready and the kids are already focused. But I have to admit, as a student, I hated the idea. Hated it. I felt school, at least my experience K through 12, college is a little different because of longer time between classes. You may not have a class right before the class you're going to. So college is a different beast. But when I was in middle school through high school and you had to change classes and you had about like three to four minutes to get to the next class, I felt like a Siberian Husky pulling a sled in the Iditarod. I mean, think about it. I have my pack, my backpack. I could be on one end of the building and I need to go to my locker. So I have to race through the hallways, swerving around other people trying to get to their classes, mushing themselves. And I'm being mush, mush, mush. You have to get to your next class. Mush, 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 right? And I'm running, running, running. And when I get to the class, if a teacher had a do now up on the board, I would have no time to catch my breath. I mean, even as a teacher, when I get a prep period, even if I have a lot to do, like grading, my students leave the classroom, I don't have my principal walking in saying, hey, coach, you got to do this now. Now, before you start your other work, you got to do this. Every first couple of minutes of a prep period, you must do this for me. Let's be honest. If my principal walked in during my prep period, the beginning of my prep period, and saw me with my feet up on top of my desk, kind of relaxing for a few minutes, he's not going to question it. He knows I work hard, and he knows that Kevin needs a few minutes of a break. So if we as educators realize that, that we need a break, why aren't we giving it to our students? It doesn't make sense. Not that I'm a psychologist or anything, but I was a former student. And I have to admit, my friends and I, if we knew we were going to a class that had a do now, we would make sure that we got there right on the bell. Why go into class early and start the do now when we're going to have to do it anyhow? And if you have to deal with kids who are coming late to class and you have a do now, Maybe that's what's going through their mind also. It doesn't provide any incentive for getting to class on time. Now, I'm going to give you what I provide for my students during that change of class time. But let me just be clear about one thing. For some of you, do nows work. And you have considered some of the things I brought up about my own apprehension of using them were each individual teachers. But maybe some of you just thought that every teacher has a do now when students walk into the class. And you never heard of a teacher not just say, I don't do it, but here are the reasons I don't do it. Maybe you've just assumed teachers like me are just lazy. So let me explain my policy as students walk into my class. I share this at the beginning of the year, and as long as they can handle it, they can behave in this model, everything is good. Now, it's not that I've never had to speak to kids in the classroom. And I would never end this for that. Kids are middle school kids. They are, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things they're, they're not supposed to. It's human nature. But I have to admit, 
over the long run, I really have not had any difficulties, any like long lasting difficulties or have had to shut it down for a class because they just couldn't handle it. Because I'm always yelling back into the classroom, knock it off. It just doesn't happen. Does it? Do I have to discipline kids in this model? Yes, we all do. Is it on a regular basis? Not at all. So let me explain. At the beginning of the year, I say, all right, when you walk into class, I'll be out in the hallway monitoring the halls and I'll welcome you to come in. Take your seat. You have to sit down in your seat. When you sit down, you're free to do a few things. You can take out other homework, get it done. You can read a book. You can talk to a neighbor. Now at first, they have to be seated in talking, but as the year goes on and there's a level of trust that has been built up between my students and myself, if there are students talking, standing up, one sits on one side of the room, one sits on the other, so they kind of meet in the middle of the room. As long as they're talking, what's the big deal? I tell them they can nap. If you want to put your head down and you need just a few minutes just to relax, that's fine too. That's the core of it. Now, what I've started doing the last few years, and i got to be honest, this is actually because of COVID. As I was waiting for students to come into my virtual classroom, or it was a time we did close down our schools for a few weeks when um, rates of COVID were high in the winter of 2020, 2021. I would have a slide up and share my screen and would have something on it, like you say, a trivia question or something to think about. So I've continued that this year and the kids enjoy it. So on Mondays, when the students walk in, again, they have all those options to do. Or they can look up on my board, on my screen, and they will have on Mondays what I call Monday Mind Masher, which is basically a riddle. On Tuesdays, it's Tuesday Trivia, and I have a trivia question with four options. On Wednesday is one they really love, and I kind of I find it funny. It's called Where's Mr. Cullen? If you remember Where's Waldo? Same concept. What I have done is I have looked through my yearbooks. I have looked through old pictures. Facebook has been like great for this because if I don't have the picture, somebody else does. And I have found pictures of me in a group when I'm younger. And I post it up on the screen and I just ask, where's Mr. Colin? And that's been funny. It's been funny for them to try to figure out what I looked like 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's really a blast when they see me at their age. They laugh. They kind of laugh at the clothes I wore. And it, it, they, I, I did not expect them to enjoy that as much as they do. For example, when I'm, on Wednesdays when I do Where's Mr. Cullen, I'll stand out in the hallway. And when I come in, it's not unusual to see four or five kids standing up right in front of the screen and discussing, I think it's him, that, you know, he has this kind of hair and, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, they really get into that. So that's something they can do. On Thursdays, I find a Just Dance video on YouTube and I just play that as they walk in. And again, you don't have to get involved, but in certain classes don't. They just sit there and they do the other things. But I have classes where the kids are dancing, they're doing the movements they're supposed to be doing. That's Thursdays and Friday is called Friday Funnies, where I post a comic strip up on the screen for them to read. So 
I even provide them with something. If they have nothing else to do, they don't have a book to read, they don't want to talk to anybody, they don't want to put their head down, there's still something else they can do. But it's not a do now. Obviously, none of these things they have to do. It's their choice. And I think they appreciate they have a choice. And it does get kids more involved in the class. I have seen throughout this year of doing this that the first indication that a student is going to be participating more in my class is that they participate in those slides in the beginning of class where they walk in. For example, the trivia one's easy because you don't have to call on anybody. What I do is say, here's a trivia question. For example, one recently was, who was the first character to speak in the first Star Wars movie? And I have like four options. Darth Vader, Princess Leia, C-3PO, Luke Skywalker. And then when right before I'm ready to start class, I'll say, okay, who here believes it was Darth Vader? Who here? And they raise their hands. So that's a very passive way to respond. You don't have to say anything if you feel uncomfortable. The riddle, you have to say something. And that's where you start seeing kids. Or where, where's Mr. Cullen? You have to say something. And that's where I've seen kids, they start to want to share. They know the answer, right? They know it. They're not going to say, I'm not going to say like, mm, no, sorry. No, they know the answer. And they, I, I know who you are up there. You know, they see my old seventh grade class picture. I, you're the third guy on the second row, you know, from the left. So I would encourage you. It's a fun way to start class and I think does have benefits for what you're trying to create in your classroom, especially if you have a discussion-based classroom like I do in social studies. Now, I know some parents may be listening and saying, well, what's that have to do with history? How, you know, none of that it does with history. You're, you're losing time, precious time. I was teaching in Connecticut in a private school. And this is years ago. This is back in the 90s. And a new family came into the school. And my, I had a parent-teacher conference with them. And the parents came in, and they didn't look happy. And I introduced myself. We started talking. And the mother pulled out a list. Her daughter was writing down quote, all the time I wasted. And she was saying things like, you know, my daughter said that you took a total of 18 minutes this year so far talking about ice skating. You took 27 minutes talking about basketball. The girl was writing down all the time that I was off task or what she considered off task because I was about to blow their minds. And I said, yeah, I, I talked about ice skating because we have a young lady in the class who is an excellent ice skater who actually featured on a news story recently on the local news. And I dealt with basketball because I have several boys in the class that are on the basketball team and they love basketball. They still weren't happy with the answer. And then I said this, I'm a teacher who's interested about my students. I like building relationships with them, like real relationships, authentic relationships. And if I'm not interested in what's going on in their lives, they're not going to be interested in the topic I'm talking about in history. Now, it was a private school, so I could say, I could say this, and I taught these kids in seventh grade. This was their sophomore year at this point. I said, I don't know if you know anything about this class's history. This class in middle school was a terror to teach. A lot of kids were out of control, 
and just trying to get them to focus was difficult. I don't have that problem anymore. They're focused in, I mean, they're still misbehavior, don't get me wrong, they're kids, but there are, they are more focused. Even the boys who love basketball are getting better grades and doing well in history class. Now, at that point, I see the father start, and I, I look at the father, he's starting to smile, and I go, well, <laughs> I go, you know what I'm talking about. And he shook his head, and his wife looked at him with this mean look on her face, like, what are you doing? You're agreeing with him. Hopefully, I think, I mean, at least the father understood. He got what I was, I was doing. I don't know if the mother ever did. But I think we missed that, that the kids aren't little machines that we can just keep on plugging away, plugging away. We have to give them time to be themselves. And, and as a teacher, I think it's a good thing that we show that we're more than just the topic that we teach. That, you know, the, the, old, the old cliche, right? I don't teach history. I teach kids. But if you don't give any time to get to know your kids or listen to what their concerns are or their successes, what they're happy about, what they're going to believe is, no, you don't. You teach history because you don't care a lick about me. I know that a big push in schools today is social-emotional learning, having these groups, doing things in the classroom, that like little like group sessions where you talk about different things. We have, like in our school, we have this thing called advisory period where kids can feel comfortable sharing their concerns, their joys. But I have to be honest. I believe if teachers naturally just took the first couple of minutes to let kids relax, not get them focused on what you want to teach them, the lesson for that day, to let them talk with each other, to let them answer a silly question on the board and know that it's not going to count or have anything to do with what they're learning in class. Or listen to a kid who just wants to tell you what they did for their birthday the, the night before. If you do that, I don't think you need any of the SEL stuff. Granted, they're going to be students who need help. They're dealing with a lot of issues. But you know what? That's not my area of expertise. That's why we have guidance counselors for. My job is to see if there's something wrong and refer them, if necessary, to the guidance counselor. But I'm talking about general anxiety, general feeling like everything is about school, everything, 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 and let them to be let them be kids a little bit. I also believe that helps with classroom management. Again, the concept of I want to know you the kid more than I want you to know history. I think students can sense that. So I would argue that giving up a few minutes of your class time in the beginning to do things like this actually has greater rewards for you because now the student wants to listen to what you have to say because they know you're concerned about what they have to say or you're concerned about them. And it's not always just your content or what you're teaching. And I think they're going to buy into it more. So in the end result, those couple of minutes are going to be beneficial for that child, just like you want it to be. Just That's the whole goal, right? You want to take your students from point A to point B with as little deviation as possible. And what I'm saying is these tiny deviations, very small, minute deviations, will allow you to reach that goal that you intend for your students to reach. And if you're still worried about giving up a two to three minutes 
that are not based on content of your course each day. I've had more parents show appreciation for me for giving their child that little bit of time before I start my class than I've ever had of being criticized for it. So I would encourage you to think about that. What it really comes down to is this. What are we trying to accomplish in the classroom? Growth of our content or growth of a child? Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.